$13.4 billion. That's the value that Plaid, the financial data company, announced it was worth this week after it completed a $425 million capital raise. Not bad for a company that only a few months ago called off its acquisition by Visa because of a lawsuit by the Department of Justice. That failed acquisition by Visa was supposed to be for $5.3 billion. So in case you're counting, the value of Plaid just went up by two and a half times in just over one year. In this edition of Commerce Code, what's the value of financial data? I'm Silvio Tavares here in San Francisco on April 9th. This is Commerce Code, brought to you by DCA, the Digital Commerce Alliance. It's great to be with you. If you're an observer of the fintech industry and the high-tech industry in general, you know that the buzz lately has been all about data, and financial data in particular. That's why it was not a complete surprise when rumors started circulating this week that Plaid was wrapping up a new fundraising that valued the company at over two and a half times its $5.3 billion purchase price from just over a year ago when it struck a deal to be acquired by Visa. As you may know, the Department of Justice successfully blocked the deal, and well, Plaid just kept on stepping, and they found some other investors that were willing to put up even more money than Visa. But the size of Plaid's new deal begs a key question. What exactly is the value of financial data? On this show today, we speak with Dev Sabrata, the CEO and founder of Fidel, a UK-based company that is also in the business of accessing payment network financial data and providing it to mobile apps and loyalty programs. They, too, have raised millions in capital at eye-popping valuations. We discuss the consumer's role in financial data, the evolving regulatory landscape, and why data is the hottest commodity in tech right now. Good morning, Dev. How are you? I'm very well, Silvio. How are you? I'm doing great. Where are you today? Fidel is based in Europe, but you have a big operational development center in Lisbon, Portugal, but that I believe the headquarters is in London. Which one are you based in today? That is correct. I'm in UK right now at home. I've been working from home actually just about a year today. You guys have been really at the forefront of opening up card data access to European merchants and mobile apps uh, across Europe. And of course, you know, we know about GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation in Europe, and also open banking, which has really taken hold. Did these types of developments, GDPR and open banking, did they help or hurt in terms of achieving access to financial data in Europe for Fidel? So I think the story can be told both ways. What has happened with the introduction of PSD2 and GDPR is that there's no longer any ambiguity as to who owns the data and who should be the beneficiary of the data. So in that sense, I think there are lots of positives. But where it's sort of fallen a little bit is, I would say, number one, incentives hasn't been perfectly aligned. For example, banks who are feeling that they're being forced 
to cooperate. And I don't think they fully understand the value to cooperate. The other thing I think there's been a clear lack of understanding of, of the practical applications of open banking. You know, it has been reflected in some of the roles we've seen. Little, little flaws like that I think could have been better. But overall, I think it's pushing the narrative in the right direction. It makes it clear that the data belongs to the consumer. And obviously with the right controls and the right permissioning, the data should be able to be shared to third-party service providers in order to unlock value for consumers. So I think that's a great development. I think it will still take a little bit of time before we're fully, fully there. Great perspective on what's happening in Europe. It's really a mixed story, but in many respects, the regulations have helped move the ball in the right direction. In 2020, Fidel expanded its services to outside of the European Union to North America. And here, particularly in the U.S., we don't have a lot of those GDPR-type regulations outside of California. Do you find the operating environment for card data easier or harder in North America compared to Europe? Absolutely. We're today live across nine countries and three continents, and every region has had its own intricacies that we've had to navigate. So U.S., you know, it made a lot of sense for us because I think in many ways it looks very similar to the U.K. market, but at a much larger scale. Now, in terms of the rules, yes, it's a very different market from a regulatory environment. Based on the nature of our operation and the companies that we work with on the data supply side, we've always had to follow the data governance rules and principles of the global card networks. So, and that was already a step ahead of GDPR in many ways when it came to consent and and usage of data and data principles and ethics. So there was no shocks in that sense. I think it was just sort of continuing as we have done here in the UK. Now, recently, it's not just banks that have gotten into the act of sharing data, but recently Google announced that they were partnering with Fidel to actually launch card-linked offers driven by transaction data on Google Pay. And this was really a huge deal for Fidel as well as for Google and the whole industry. What does Google using card-linked offers mean for the industry? I think it's huge. It sort of creates a validation for this methodology. Our partnership started with the relaunch of Google Pay. The sense that we got when we started talking to them was that, you know, it was really about the experiences that payments unlock for consumers. And as a consumer, it's kind of my relationship with my money, the merchants that I transact with, and my relationship with the other people that I interact with. And those experiences should, according to Google, should live within the Google Pay application. Now, the key here was that they want all of those experiences to be within Google Pay, irrespective of how you pay. The principle was that as a consumer, you should get the same experience, no matter how you pay. And that's where Fidel came in to help Google connect those dots with the consumer's consent and permission, of course. And going back to your original question, especially in light of where the industry is headed, where, you know, cookie attribution is becoming more and more challenging and more and more difficult, card attribution provides a very neat alternative for attributing offers. Now, as you look to the future, what do you think is going to be the biggest new development coming to financial and card data? What's the biggest new thing you see on the horizon? I think there's going to be an increased focus on data ethics and data for good in many ways. I think we're going to see a continued push towards 
openness because I think it's very clear and it's becoming more and more clear the value that financial data can unlock for not just consumers, but all the stakeholders in the ecosystem, whether it's merchants or whether it's issuers or the networks. But at the same time, I think we're already seeing regulators paying more attention on consumer protection and making sure we have the right controls, the right permissioning tools and that the consumers are fully aware and in control over the data that they are sharing and that data integrity is maintained at all costs. Really interesting. Data for good. I love that concept and very much what we're seeing as we talk to companies around the world. Now, Fidel is a really unique company name. What does it mean and why did you pick this name for the company? Sure. It's actually derived from uh, the Latin word fidelis, that essentially means trustworthy, dependable, loyal, true, faithful. I suppose you may have heard the slogan Semper Fidelis. It kind of comes from the same place. Also, I think it's sort of a nice wordplay where FI also stands for financial services or financial institutions. Great name. And Semper Fidelis is, in fact, the motto for the U.S. Marine Corps. They're very you know, like built up, strong guys like you and your team. But Dev, I really want to thank you for being on the podcast today. Really appreciate all your insights. Thank you very much, Silvio. It's been great to be on the show. That's Dev Sabrata, the CEO and founder of Fidel, talking to us from London, United Kingdom. Coming right up, some closing thoughts on financial data. The value of financial data cannot be overstated. The old adage is still very much true. Show me where your money is, and I will show you where your heart is. Financial data is incredibly effective at clarifying consumer behavior and consumer intent. There are a myriad of commerce applications for that data. Everything from personalizing ads to attributing digital ads to driving loyalty programs. In an age where big tech companies like Apple and Google are pulling back on their tracking of browsing data, counterintuitively, consumers are feeling increasingly comfortable sharing their financial data with trusted companies that ask for their permission. As we discussed on the show today, the paradigm is shifting quickly to an ecosystem of commerce where trusted apps ask consumers for permission to access their financial data in return for valuable services. For companies that could obtain that consumer permission, it's the key to unlocking significant value. And quite frankly, there's no real limit to the value that financial data can deliver. If you want to learn more about the latest trends in financial data and how to monetize that data, check out our website at www.digcomall.org. That's www.digcomall.org. For the Digital Commerce Alliance, take care of yourself and take care of each other. God bless you. This is Silvio Tavares signing off. <laughs>